heroic journey is the backbone of all literature and story. The central character, the hero of the story, is given a quest, something to do or accomplish. And as he takes up that quest, he confronts obstacles in the form of both external enemies and internal flaws. And if the hero is going to finish his quest, he has to find a way to get through those obstacles. For a man to become truly heroic today, in the same way that Jesus was, he too will be given a quest, and he too will confront obstacles along the way. He'll have to find a way through them. So in this podcast, we're gonna take up the issue of those internal flaws, especially those inner voices that are negative, critical, and even just untrue. Whether we realize it or not, we are carrying on an inner conversation with ourselves much of the day. And what we say to ourselves is so revealing. I once had a high school class in which I asked them to write down that inner conversation for 24 hours. What they came back with stunned me with the sheer volume of self-condemning and self-critical thoughts stemming from hidden fears and unmet needs. I suspect that if most men wrote down on paper the conversation they have in their heads each day, it would stun them as well. Here are some of the thoughts that I have heard men verbalize over the years in one way or another. I'm such a loser. I will never be a man. I will never do anything good with my life. I am always the one left out. I'm so stupid. I am unworthy of being loved. I'm a weakling. I am own my own. No one's going to come for me. I am a nobody. It's heartbreaking to hear it like that. But those are the realities so many men live with. They doubt the truths of the gospel and live in the lies that have formed them. Now one thought that has run throughout my life in a very subtle and unconscious way has been this one. I'm on my own to figure life out. That one thought has been the cause of so much confusion in my life, as well as so much pain. It has also been one of the major obstacles I've had to face and push through in terms of living out my own calling and quest. But more than anything, that thought, I'm on my own to figure out life, is just a lie. If it is true that God is my Father, Jesus is my elder brother, and the Holy Spirit is the counselor, I'm not on my own to figure life out. In fact, I've never been on my own. Further, there are others who are so willing to help me along the way. So how do we overcome this type of thinking? So many of the Psalms in the Old Testament can help us here. The Lament Psalms start with a complaint and end in praise. Somehow, the Psalmist worked through his own negative inner conversation and reconnect with God. He did this by remembering truth, by remembering God, and by doubting his doubts. This practice of speaking truth to ourselves in prayer can help us confront the critical self-talk and the demonic lies that will assault us. It can also help us stay on the quest that we've been given. I'm Bill Dalvo, and this is Heroic, a podcast about the surprising path to true manhood. Whether we realize it or not, we are constantly speaking to ourselves. It's a monologue constantly occurring in our heads. 
This inner monologue can feel so defining. What can we do about it? I'm joined by Scott Sauls as we talk about why we think this way and strategies we can use to triumph over those condemning monologues. Scott is a senior pastor of Christ Presbyterian Church in Nashville and author of several books, such as Jesus Outside the Lines, Befriend, and his most recent one, Irresistible Faith, Becoming the Kind of Christian the World Can't Resist. He can also be followed on Twitter at Scott Sauls. Scott is no stranger to the inner monologues that beat us down. As a public figure, he knows that it can be especially difficult because of the image pastors are sometimes expected to hold up. Here are a few of the topics Scott and I will discuss. How strength and vulnerability are connected. How vulnerability is actually a tool that men can use to lead. And building habits of returning to the truth when we are inclined to believe the lies. Scott was gracious to take time out of his very busy schedule to have this conversation. It was a conversation that helped me see Scott's own strength in his vulnerability. Scott, thanks for being with us today. Let's start here. Being honest about our doubts and fears is often viewed as a weakness among men. But how actually can it be a strength? Uh, it can be a strength in a number of ways. Uh, I think one clear uh, example is uh, whenever one man drops his guard with another, uh, it tends to function as an invitation for the other to do likewise. It, it opens up a certain freedom of transparency that the people in the conversation didn't realize was there. Um, you know, in my own experience, in my own uh, friendships, in my own preaching and teaching and writing, um, other people, other men especially, have opened up most to me after I've been transparent about something, wow. uh, after I have yeah. put a weakness out there for others to consider. Um, so it's a powerful thing. It is. I think what you, what you do is you give people permission to be truthful about what's really going on inside. Yeah. And the truth is that most of us, uh, especially the older we get in life, uh, hold it in. And uh, it's almost like you know, inhaling the oxygen and then it converts to carbon dioxide, but you never exhale it. And, and it just it just kind of takes the life out of you to yeah. hold in things like shame, things right. like self-doubt, things like um, wondering if the gospel actually applies to me. Right. Yeah. And it, it'll poison. Mm -hmm. It'll poison you, too. And the other thing I, I wanted to note is that to be able to be honest about your own um, weaknesses and fears and doubts, that's actually a courageous step. And actually holding it in is a step of fear. So it's really mm -hmm. the inverse. Most men sort of posture themselves, but it's a mm -hmm. sort of posturing of false strength. Whereas when we yeah. are candid about who we really are, I think our, you know, we respond when we see a man do that with, oh, well, that was a courageous thing to do. Yeah. So it really is the flip of that whole process. It is. I mean, and that seems to be the pattern of Scripture. I mean, if we think about who the, the most heroic people are to us in both the Old and New Testaments, uh, we get David's 
gushing transparency in the Psalms. Yeah, he lays it out there. He does. Uh, we get Jonah telling the story of Jonah, which doesn't <laughs> shed a very positive light on a certain season of his life, and yet he puts it out there to yeah. demonstrate the goodness of God and the patience and resilience of God in his case. Um, you know, you look at people like Isaiah, who, if there ever was a together uh, seeming prophet, it was him. He was a brilliant poet. Uh, a br- you know, brilliant with words and, and so on. And right there at the beginning of his, his prophecy, you've got the testimony of his, his calling and, and you know, how the presence of God had sort of wrecked him and even his lips, the most pure and revered part of him in society, As a he prophet. says was unclean, yes, right? right. Then you go, to, you go to the New Testament and you've got Saul of Tarsus, you know, basically building an identity around, you know, advancing in his reputation in Judaism, and then he becomes a believer. And then you get things like Romans 7, and he, where he talks about his coveting and wretched man that I am, who will rescue me from the, this body of death? And then the greatest chapter in all of Scripture, in my opinion, right after that, Romans 8, which talks about how there's no condemnation and no separation. And so I love how they. They don't just wear it out on their sleeves, but it's always with a purpose to lead whoever their listeners are to the gospel, to the solution, to the way that God has come and, in Isaiah's case, touch, touch my lips with the coal from the author of sacrifice right. or the apostle Paul, you know, says, you know, I'm the chief of sinners, but what a great display of, of the mercy of God because of the mercy of God's for me, it can be for anyone. So, um, Great example, even the scriptures yeah, uh, set for us, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Paul put it best, you know, what's, what seems to be weak is actually, you know, used for mm-hmm. strength. And, yeah, thorn uh, in the flesh passage. Right, mm-hmm. yes. So let's go here. Uh, what are some of the common doubts and fears that you see in men in particular? What are I, I listed some of those statements, but put it in your own words. What are some of the inner sort of conversations that you see go on inside of them that really wreck them? I think men start out as very adventurous boys, and something happens along the way when um, they enter into the world of responsibility and sort of building a career and um, trying to make it in the world and, you know, carry the weight of, you know, providing for people who depend on them and so on. And there seems to be just a, a fatigue and a, a distance in the eyes that develops that maybe wasn't once there. And almost a, you know, by the time you reach midlife, a, a just a, a sense of defeat. Uh, even successful men, uh, you know, who are doing well in the eyes of the world or society, there's this, this fatigue and this... Um, lack or loss of of adventure and maybe loss of hope, uh, I think, that somehow needs to be recovered. Um, But in many cases, it's hard to recover. Um, And then you get things like pushback in marriage, like things are going great in the career, but then you go home and right. and yes. things are hard and people really know you and they know your temper. They know that you're not always the great leader that people think you are out there. Or they, they, they know your, 
your weaknesses or the things that trigger you or your road rage or whatever it is, and you're you know you're exposed. Uh, and and so if we don't take that as an advantage, uh, you know that that pushes us toward the gospel and the grace of Christ and the sanctifying power of the Holy Spirit. Um, as all exposure is meant to do, the only other other alternative is to go to shame and maybe a double life where you, you're you're a pretend hero out there and then you're kind of your real self, you know, in front of the people who really know you and you feel defeated inside and then you're fighting, almost tiring yourself out, trying to prove yourself right. in other environments. And, and that's exhausting, and so, utterly exhausting mm-hmm. to kind of live that life. Yeah. Um, talk talk a little bit personally what have been like the in terms of those inner self doubts mm-hmm. in your own story in life what what which ones have you had to sort of do battle with yeah so I, i'm i've got the achiever personality for anybody who's in, listening who's into the enneagram i'm a solid 3 um, with sort of the artistic slash nobody really understands me for wing uh, and so, um, you know, I, I, I simultaneously love what I do and I'm always doubting whether or not I am doing the very best and contributing the very best that I can. And so I'm never quite satisfied with the moment and I'm always looking sort of toward the next thing. And I, I think the, the lesson there for me is uh, the gospel lesson there for me that I have to return to every day is that that Christ has already um, he's already won every single battle that is essential. Uh, he's already tackled every hill. He's already climbed every mountain. He's already um, you know been through every valley that 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 needs to be gone through uh, in order to. Uh, get the well done, good and faithful servant proclaimed over me. Uh, and um, I, I think I'm always going to wrestle, Bill, with that, um, th- those two calls. You know, there's, there's, there's the bad guy on one shoulder and the good guy on, <laughs> on another. That. I get that. And one of them says, you, you've got you've to prove yourself. And the other says, you've already been proven. And, and I think, you know, for somebody like me, an achiever type, the, the daily – necessity is to figure out how to turn the volume down on you know the voice that says you've got to prove yourself today and and to turn the volume up on the the voice that says you're already proven you know i love jesus encounter with the woman caught in the act of adultery um in john 8 where you know he starts with i do not condemn you now leave your life of sin you know the indicative who you are in my eyes before the imperatives. And I think that applies to sanctification in her case, you know, mortifying sin and and living in newness of life. But it also applies to things like leadership and accomplishments, which I think many of us as men are very sort of driven by as accomplishment and achievement. And if we could get the indicative before the imperative, um, you know, he says to the slaves coming out of Egypt, I've delivered you, <laughs> and now here are my ten rules. Right he, now, I've already set you life. free. Now. You're already yes. you're already a liberated community. You're a liberated person. Um, it's all good. Pressure's off. 
my yoke is easy. My burden is light um, because I've borne the burden. I think that's a hard one to to believe. Um, it's hard to change the soul's muscle memory on that one for achiever types, um, of which I am one. Um, so it's yeah. probably the biggest one. Yeah, and I, I, I love that language, soul's muscle memory, because mm-hmm. I can certainly, you know, uh, you know, my mine was I have to figure out life on my own. Mm-hmm. That sort of orphan mentality, mm-hmm. and I, it's taken me just going back to the truth again and again and again and experiencing mm-hmm. that. No, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. If God is my father and Jesus is my elder yeah. brother and the Holy Spirit is my counselor, I've never been alone mm-hmm. to figure life out. Mm-hmm. But for me, my default pattern is, yeah. what am I going to do here? i got to figure this out. So mm-hmm. it's that constant sort of going back and renewing mm-hmm. myself and mm-hmm. staying in that truth because I can, I, I can go there. You know, yeah. I get triggered pretty quick mm-hmm. to go there, mm-hmm. and then you know there are all the anxiety and pressure and fear and drivenness yeah. and exhaustion and all that goes with that. I've got to figure out life of my own. So, yeah. thanks for sharing that. Um, let's go here, um, and, and you've already spoken a little bit to this, but I, at, towards the end, but I want you to go a little bit further uh, in terms of speaking truth um, to yourself and the script, particular scriptures that have really helped you with that sort of achiever sort of default mm-hmm. mode that you've lived with. Um, what's really helped the process to sanctify you? Mm. And how have you seen yourself grow more in terms of living in that sense of Jesus has already done it? Mm-hmm. He's already accomplished it. What's so, helped? So the growth is slow. Uh, I'm in midlife now, and I still feel like a child in many respects in terms of where I know I ought to be. Uh, but one one thing that I do a lot more easily and readily and instinctively now is, like you're saying, Bill, return to the truth. Sort of catch catch yourself uh, believing a lie and and taking that lie and and putting it in the light of the truth, so it's exposed and and reckoned with. Uh, but for me, uh, Romans eight has been uh, the the repeat go to. Um, uh, both for my own sense of falling short of the glory of God, being a sinful man, uh, not um, um, you know abiding in Christ and therefore not bearing the fruit of the Spirit to the degree that I would hope as a 50-year-old man that I would, uh, both in public and in private, you know, those sorts of things. And, uh, and so that's a daily prayer. Uh, one of the prayers I pray every single morning is that God would give me humility that's greater than my giftings and abilities mm-hmm. and, and a character that's greater than any influence that he might entrust to me. Um, but along with that is, is Romans 8, which I think gives the truths that provide the resources to live in light of that prayer. Uh, it starts with, there is now no condemnation. And by the way, this is coming right after Paul is is going on and on and on about his own covetousness, right. wretched man that I am, his who will doubts. rescue me, right. his own doubts. Yeah. And he says, you know, maybe I don't have to be the hero of my own story. Maybe that's not the point at all. Maybe the hero is the one who says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Not, not, not those who are independent, not those who are 
um, you know, in the zone or, or, or what have you, those who are in Christ, there is therefore now no condemnation. And then he, you know, goes on to tell the, the glorious, you know, story of the unfolding of redemptive history and how, how you know, all creation is groaning and we're groaning with it. And, and you know, the sense of inadequacy and shame and doubt that we're talking about is part of that groan. But eventually God is going to, to trigger the freedom that's our, always been ours. We just haven't quite been able to fully apprehend it yet. Uh, and then he reminds us at the end that there's not only no condemnation, but there's no separation. You know, in the meantime, as you struggle in this sort of already but not yet existence of yours, there's also nothing in all creation, including yourself, including your doubts. You're part of creation. There's nothing in all creation that will ever be able to separate you from the love of God in Christ. And, and you, even you can't do anything about that. Um, and, and so for me, that's just been a, a lifeline is just going back and back and back to, to that one chapter of Scripture, which you know, Martin Lloyd-Jones even said it's the greatest chapter in all the Bible. And, and I think one of the reasons why he said that is because it, it really summarizes the whole story. It does. Um, in every way, from from a from a sin and redemption standpoint, as well as a creation, you know, fall, redemption, renewal, and glorification standpoint, it tells the whole story in that one chapter. And you know, um, it, it begs the question a little bit: What would it be like to live more and more in that sense of nothing can separate me from experiencing God's love right now? What what you know? What is what is the trajectory of that experience as a man to live in that? And I find that question not only provoking, but just profoundly comforting mm-hmm. and inspiring. It's like, wow, what yeah. would that, like nothing, like, yeah. like zero zip, like it's done. Yeah. I think the other ingredient, which, which you know, you've, you've, you've given your whole life to this, the, the other ingredient to the truth is, is people to live the truth alongside and to embody the truth with and to wrestle with the truth alongside. Um, having, you know, for me, you know, some people need a group, a small group of other men. I have three uh, because I need that many, <laughs> you know. I have, I need that much reinforcement and fortification, uh, you know, around me to remind me of what's true. And one of the groups is uh, I'm the youngest person in the room and, and another one of the groups I'm the oldest person in the room and um, another one is a group of peers and both of them are about six, seven, eight people. And, um, you know, all of us are, you know, on board with Christ and, and share the same trajectory toward growth in his grace. and. Uh, you know, God said at the beginning into paradise, it's not good to be alone. And so I, I think I think it can't just be us and our Bibles and no. the Holy Spirit. It, it has to be us and our Bibles and the Holy Spirit, and the Father and Jesus and other people um, around us to um, put words to it yeah. and make the eye contact that we need and give us the touch that we need along the way. I totally agree. And one of the way I like to put it, if a, if a man tries to interpret life on his own, he has about a 100% chance of misinterpreting mm-hmm. it. We, mm-hmm. we just don't have the, the eyes to sort of figure that yeah. out. Again, figuring out life on, on our yeah. own. I want to say that you're, you're somewhat, I would consider you a very lucky, privileged man to have three 
to have three groups speak into your life, even just mm-hmm. one group can be life-giving. There are so many men out there who have no one. Mm-hmm. No one who speaks into their life, no one with whom they simply sort of let down yeah. the guard yeah. and say, okay, this is who I am. This is where I'm at. Mm-hmm. So I have, um, the way I've structured my life to have that sort of intake, not only from the scriptures, but also um, I, have a, I have a man that I walk with routinely. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're always in this conversation about our inner lives. And then I also have one group that I, I go to. Mm-hmm. And I, I just, I wouldn't make it without them. Mm-hmm. It's so important to have yep. that critical. Let's, let's go one step further beyond uh, Scripture and doing that and beyond just the, the, the influence of others. Are there any other practical ways that we can arm ourselves against the lies and the doubts that are going to assail us? Because they will. They're just going to be there. Yeah. Well, uh, you you look at the way that Christ armed himself in Matthew 4 and the temptation, the multiple temptations from the devil. The devil kept coming at him with lies, and he kept confronting each one with the truth. And, you know, it is written, it is written, it is written. That's the that's the answer to every single lie. It is written. Um, you know, my mentor Tim Keller talks about um, sort of one of his thought mentors, uh, Jonathan Edwards, yes. um, one of the earlier presidents of Princeton University, as well as Puritan and a pastor and missionary. Um, you know, Tim says that if you were to poke Edwards, he would bleed Bible and. Um, you know, he just had gotten to a point where his whole perspective on everything, what, the, the grid through which he ter- interpreted it all was, was the scriptures. And so, I mean, it, it sounds very basic, um, but, but it remains absolutely true. If Jesus Christ, the sinless Son of God and creator of all things, needed the scriptures so much that, that he got himself to the point that he was able to pop them off from memory in every single occasion. What makes us think we don't need the scriptures uh, and that we can make it with our own intuition and instincts and insights and advice from friends? You know, not, not to knock instincts and insights and advice from friends, but, you know, even Paul says transformation begins with the renewal of the mind. And, um, you know, the Psalms are filled with, um, you know, the centrality of the Word of God. Um, the Word written is what connects us to the Word made flesh who made us dwelling among us. And, you know, it's like they say about, the, you know, the people who are, you know, professional spotters of a counterfeit dollar bill, the way that they learn to spot a counterfeit is they, they learn intimately what the real thing looks like. They sit there and stare at it and study it and learn it. And, and when they They know know the feel of it, they just, they know know every little thing about it. And so when a counterfeit is in front of them, what you and I wouldn't maybe recognize as a counterfeit, they would say, oh, that's, that's fake, toss it out, you know? I mean, my watch is like that. I, I wanted one of these watches. Um, it's from a certain you know, watch company. And I found a deal on eBay. 
uh, for one of these watches, and somebody was apparently selling one for about 20% of what you can get it for in the store. And and I bought it, and it, it showed up, and it, sh- it looked like, to me, the ones that were you know, that are on display in the store. And, 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 but then I realized it was two and a half minutes slow every single day. And I said, that doesn't sound right for one. And so I took it in and the guy didn't even have to take it off my arm for the guy behind the counter to know that it was a counterfeit, um, you know, from, you know, wherever they counterfeit watches. Right. And, um, so I learned it was my too good to tr- too good to be true with the price. Well, that it was, was too <laughs> good to be true. Yeah, and you know, thankfully, you know, eBay uh, caught him as a counterfeiter and refunded me my my money. But 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 nonetheless, if you know something so intimately, you're going to be able to spot what's not true, and that most certainly includes the realm of ideas and knowing the scriptures. Uh, from beginning to end and doing the hard work every day as, or as close to every day as we can of really getting the scripture. You know, one of my colleagues, David Filson says, get the Bible, you know, get in the Bible so the Bible can get into you. And, and I like that. Um, when the Bible gets into us, um, we're equipped, uh, you know, to obviously the Holy Spirit brings, brings the truths of scripture to mind and helps us interpret it rightly around the person and work of Christ. Um, but I, I can't think of a more valuable resource to confront the lies, especially when they have to do with shame and doubt and feelings of worthlessness, like you articulated in the opening remarks of, of this, you know, conversation. Um, the scriptures give us the answer to those things. Yeah, they really do. And they give mm-hmm. us an answer, an answer that is profound, unique, and utterly transforming. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, it's an answer that um, can not only it not only just it not only just sort of undoes the negative, but it actually pushes us forward into a into a realm that we didn't think was possible to have or to own. Again, that's back to your Romans eight. There's mm-hmm. something much larger going on around us mm-hmm. that we're being asked to participate in. Mm-hmm. And as we gravitate and move towards the truth, all this stuff opens up to us. Or as the way I like to put it, doors open into a man's life, into territories that he didn't think were even there before. Mm -hmm. And that's the trajectory of redemption. That's Mm -hmm. where he wants to take us as men. This has been Heroic. Join us for the next episode as we talk about another critical part of the heroic journey, engaging God in prayer. If you're enjoying the Heroic Podcast, please rate and review on Apple Podcasts and tell a friend who might want to listen in. Rating and word of mouth are the best ways to get the word out. You might also like my book, Heroic, The Surprising Path to True Manhood. Heroic will give you what you need to take the journey to become a man. It will help you find your guide for the journey, own your true identity, and discover your quest. This is how we become truly heroic. Go to heroicbook.com for more information and to order a copy. That's heroicbook.com.